0: Hi guys, this is Stella Bella, editor of Sold Magazine, and welcome to another episode of In the Spray Room, Sold's podcast with some of the best and brightest artists on the streets today. We are bringing out the lighter side of these creatives by talking to them in a less structured environment. Today's Sold crew consists of myself, Bike Girl, and Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. Hello! For our daily online content, check us out at soldmagny.com follow us on instagram and twitter at sold mag and before we introduce our special guest today big ronnie tell us what's going on
1: we have two upcoming events that we're super excited for moniker art fair may 3rd through the 6th we are going to be set up live and broadcasting and going live and doing interviews from the juxtaposed booth inside moniker art fair looking forward to it we already have some fun guests scheduled for you that we don't want to give away just yet and then coming up may 11th is Dirk cobain and my next show at butcher bar it's going to be a street art photography show we're super excited for it uh last time we uh told you guys about this we tried to get erica to tell us who her collab is erica please tell us who your collab is with no uh there we go uh didn't get too far Uh, Looking forward to the show. Come on out May 11th at Butcher Bar Friday night. We're going to have a good time. Now, today's guest is an interesting one. Uh, I, as a New York City native, love other New York City natives. Uh, We get along. We are just brethren, literally. And uh, our guest today is our youngest guest that we've had so far. So I'm pretty excited to speak to the talented OG Millie. Hello. How are you?
2: What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me, by the way.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for coming in. Uh, I know that uh, the ladies uh, today are going to uh, give our fans some great commentary. I'm going to do my best to try and stay out of the way. I'm probably going to fail at doing that. But uh, let's start with your, your commute. How was it coming from Queens?
2: Ooh, oh, it was like 54 minutes coming out here, traffic, even on a Sunday, you know. So.
3: Oh, yeah. The You can't get here unless you get on the BQA. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's always a joy.
2: And finding parking here. <laughs>
3: welcome to new york that's yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> but you you're way out in queens i mean you're not as close to like public transportation so it's more you're you're more a car car city girl, car
2: girl. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: <laughs> now what was interesting to us about uh you know y- you coming in today was recently seeing two of your pieces one on uh, the sold uh, fundraising tour that we've been walking around, the piece in Brooklyn that we just saw mm-hmm. uh, and hearing Bite tell us all about it was interesting. And secondly, we saw your uh, piece up at the Mess Hall at, at Sean's spot, and I uh, wanted to talk to you about that. Wh- wh- why don't you give us a little bit about the you know, the, the, the history of those pieces and how they came about?
2: Well, the, f- the first ever mural that I've done was the Alicia Keys one, and that was out in um, Dodsworth, and that was through Sprinter NYC. So, <laughs> initially, I mean, thank God he gave me that opportunity to make that because usually people want to get more like so experienced people. So
3: how did it happen? Did he approach you? Did you yeah. approach him? He Rocko. came. Yeah, yeah, he approached me. Yeah, he's all about finding the young talent that's mm-hmm. about to explode.
2: So you're you're,
3: <laughs> you're on a list of many greats. Thanks.
0: And you also participated in the show, so th- that, oh, Spike so Girl also mm-hmm. helped hang.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was probably one of the best shows he put on. Um and of course, as I we were talking earlier, you actually sold your pieces. Yes. Um you should put that mark that down as a huge accomplishment because selling a piece in Brooklyn it puts you on a level with um only the top few to be honest. Most people don't sell work in Brooklyn. But he puts on a good show.
2: Right.
1: It, it was a nice collection of artists and they, I think he put it on well. Uh now the, what was the last show we did before that? Was that the Biggie show?
3: Yeah, 20 Biggie years.
1: Now, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we, I know um, OG do a lot of, uh, uh, y- you know, uh, pop culture, music icons and things like that. At that show, we actually met um, uh, the photographer who shot the Biggie in the crown pic. Oh, and weird. we Yeah, and uh, I got yelled nice. at by one of my friends for taking a picture in the crown. toy He told me it was cultural appropriation and mm. yelled at me a little bit for it, but I loved the picture. And that was a fun show. And why Biggie? Why uh, why is it why is a Queens girl that never uh, saw Biggie or heard a, a Biggie album when it first came out? Why is that some of your fun stuff to paint?
2: I guess it was more of um, I got invited to the Biggie shows, so it was relatively you know just Biggie in general. And I guess I got invited to more of those shows, so I had to make up like a lot of biggies <laughs> and some of them got sold so i have to recreate more you know so Well,
3: biggie sells Biggie is biggies a best yeah, seller. Yeah, yeah. i mean biggie is
0: it in brooklyn
2: yeah
0: let's uh rewind and uh give our audience a little bit of a background of where your mm-hmm. art background your art history how you got to where you are today
2: well art backstory back backstory yeah. sorry yeah um, <laughs> sorry about that um I graduated, so I never really dove into the arts since after graduation. Okay. So I've been a student athlete all my life. (laughs) Right. Yeah. In what sport? Basketball. So I've been focused on that, and ever since I graduated, that's when I started creating art. So (coughs)
3: did you have it in your mind that when you stopped playing, well, you never stopped playing basketball, but did you have it in your mind that you were going to do art and you were just headed towards it or just land in your lap?
2: I knew I was, I was always, I love the creative aspect of just being in a creative field. So I studied graphic design in school. So I thought I was going to do graphic design, you know, all my life. But, you know, what happened to my eye, I kind of just did more hands-on stuff. And that's when painting came to me, and I figured that I was pretty good at it. So that's when I started to do more.
1: All right, but let's not blow past the, because the it's easy to jump to the art, art career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't want to blow past, uh, you know, the the adolescence, the work, the discipline Mm -hmm. that you put into a different area of your life in basketball and training and practice and the the discipline of treating your body as a temple and controlling Mm -hmm. nutrition and exercise and things like that. How did the disciplines that were enforced in basketball, how were those translated to your art career?
2: Uh, For now, I I would have to say just... um, team building too you have to also like work well with others be humble stay grounded don't let your ego get in the way kind of thing so I've always been a point guard so it's always you know holding down the fort and just you know when pressure comes up just to just to stay focused
1: now that sounds like a canned uh in between quarters on your way to the locker room media answer yeah, well, you know, we <laughs> stay humble, work hard, you know, no, give, what, where, where did you learn something, where, where was something that really mattered, that you look back on on a weekly basis, and say, damn, I'm glad that coach, or I'm glad that teammate, or I'm glad that whatever?
2: I guess it's just being passionate about what you do, because if you're not passionate about what you do, and you, you just think at the end of the day, it's your job, then I don't think, like, you know, it's just, it becomes gonna, just your job. Yeah, and it's just, I just, I I guess it's just finding the passion and just (laughs) kind of keep going after that.
1: Now, is passion love?
2: I guess it has to go hand in hand with each other, yeah. Love for what, the sport, love for the game.
1: Because we hear from artists all the time that don't necessarily sound like they have the love for the art. They have the love to create. They have the love to get. Or they
3: have the obsessive need to create, and they're trying to get it
1: out of them. But you're you're talking a little differently. You're talking about before you even put a a brush to a a canvas or or a can to a canvas. You're talking about making sure you want to do it,
2: right? Because at the end of the day, like if you don't want to do it, then your thought process isn't fully there, and it comes out different. You know what I'm saying? So.
1: Now, right. how, how does all of your your team experience, and obviously you have to be a member of a team, no I N team, and all that fun stuff, but how does that how does that come to play with 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 collaborating either with a, a curator yeah. or another artist or things like that?
2: That's the thing. Um, I'm actually in a collab group right now. It's a Filipino organization. It's um we call ourselves a Fobs group. So that's more of like just team building, and I, I guess it's just a start right now. Where it's kind we're of like your crew. Yeah, it's it's crew, but we're just starting, so we're we're still there.
1: All right, now I'm going to ask a silly question because I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Philippines is spelled P H, but when we talk about Filipino people, it's, it's with a F. F. <laughs> I'm not crazy, right? That's are not crazy. That, that's, that's normal.
2: That's completely correct.
1: Hmm. English is a weird language. It
2: is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Do you speak Filipino? I speak it, but I mainly understand it. My parents both speak to me. The language.
3: And what's the name? The language has a different name. It's, it's not t- Filipino. Uh, Tagalog. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't speak one word of it. And uh, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's go back to basketball for a second, because yeah. when we were prepping for you, and we always do a decent amount of prep for our guests, I was jacked to talk to you about 90s basketball. <laughs> but then I see that that is not I'm a decade and a half off. So, who were some of your favorite players? Assuming that you're, you know, four or five years out of college, and you, you know, you're 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 following some of the the, the international players. Like, who who were some of your big boys? Well,
2: I, or girls. <laughs> I grew up watching um, Allen Iverson, so that's mm. why all the crazy handles, the um, dribbling skills. Practice.
1: We talking about practice. remember that that quote from him he didn't want to oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was like wait wait." yeah (laughs) Yeah. sorry (laughs) who else
2: um steve nash was one um alan ivers Oh, i said that already um alan houston that's another one he's a shooting guard so he was a nick Mm-hmm. alan houston and now currently obviously stephen curry because i try to relate myself like how how do i play like relate my my style of play with those players and i feel like we go hand in hand So So any
3: WBA players you wish you were?
2: Becky Hammond was, like, my go-to girl. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Now, uh, for those who don't know, the point guard of basketball is essentially the the, the quarterback of the offense. Right, yeah. They're the people that are coming down the court, setting the plays, determining whether you're holding for one at the end of a uh, shot Mm -hmm. clock and things like that. So how do you think those types of things translate, you know, being the person that makes the decisions, when you're working in a group of other talented or, or uh, talented I guess it's people.
2: It's easier, you know, like being the point guard just directing pe- people, um, kind of just gathering everyone, I think I, I already have that in me, so it's not essentially too hard for me to, to do so
1: Eric yeah. Eric is the point guard around here.
2: I was just going to say that kind of yeah. I yep. feel like I'm the point
0: guard of sold magazine kind of agreed. That's interesting. I was a cheerleader for basketball. I uh, never played myself. So that was my role. You know, cheerleading. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yay.
0: <laughs> I really just wanted to watch all the guys in their shorts. So. It was. I had a, I had a f- front row seat if I was a cheerleader.
1: Now, equate your art style to a play in basketball. Mm-hmm. Are you a dunk? Are you a three-point shot? Are you a screen for two? Are you a layup? Are we a three a free I got, throw? I got this one. I'm mm. a
2: three-point with a foul. Oh, we're <laughs> no. a four-point wow. four potential, potential player. <laughs> mm, that's, that's a good one, right? That's a juicy answer.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. Are we <laughs>
0: going into overtime?
2: OT. <laughs> no, the
1: fourth point wins it. The three's the tie, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, ha- how about any of those uh, uh, situations in a game? You ever uh, you nailed the the last minute shot for your squad? Oh
2: yeah, my senior night in college. It was actually uh, it was actually pretty memorable. I want to replay that video again. <laughs> but it was it was a good game. We, it was our last home game, so we were we kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't really matter. But I mean, it mattered my senior night. It was a good win.
1: There you go. Now. Uh, let's go back to the mess hall piece. Yeah. The big basketball with uh, Spike Lee as Mars Blackman in the bottom left. Mm-hmm. Now, that was my high school, Spike Lee for Nike and yeah. the, the original Nike Jordan ads. W- where, did, where was that influence for you? Because obviously you're, you're, you're aware of it and you saw it through yeah. videos and ads all along yeah. the years. But w- what made you want to do that? The original
0: was from She Gotta Have It. Yeah. The character, I mean. Mars Blackman ahead. was a character probably and she got a habit. She, yes, the original uh, movie, which was probably before you were born. Yeah, so yeah. I'm
2: like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But yeah. <laughs>
0: and then the series of Nike commercials with Michael Jordan, the black and white yeah. commercials. Go ahead. I mean, I and I'm s-
3: just wishing I'd bought some of those shoes and <laughs> put them away somewhere in <laughs> a closet mm-hmm.
1: because life would be good. We can't talk about it. All right. Let's, let's, I let's see let's people
3: line up for those things at several stores in New York now oh, and the they're 300. And I, I didn't
1: look at her shoes when she came in. Is uh, you a sneakerhead?
2: Somewhat, but I like painting on sneakers. <laughs> so it's a Yeezys, but it's like. Uh, like see, but you know enough about them. you can yeah. paint it. Yeah, the mm-hmm.
3: right ones and sell them.
2: Yeah. So the the piece at the mess hall. Yeah. Piece at the mess hall. Uh, how did I know him? He was actually there at every single Nick game, so he's mm-hmm. a huge fan. So that's how I like. I, I saw him. You know, I didn't know his backstory, and then I've seen him with like the the Brooklyn hat like flipped up. So that was like an iconic photo. I do iconic people, so I put two and two together. And I love basketball, so I was like, why not,
1: you know? It's got to be the shoes.
2: And the shoes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It was a lot of fun, the ad ad campaigns back in the day. (coughs) Audrey, what was the most expensive pair of uh, shoes you bought for your kids?
3: Oh, shoot. My kids didn't get – they didn't get very expensive shoes. Um, I think I usually had a limit of about – Fifty nine dollars. See, that was my
1: mom's feed. I talked my dad into buying me the first pair of Nike Air Agassiz. Mm-hmm. the Andre Agassiz mm-hmm. You know, oh, if my they were kids so dope. Had,
3: had even one single athletic bone in their body, it might uh. have been a consideration. <laughs> but you don't need hundred dollar shoes to sit in front of a computer.
1: Well, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You don't need <laughs> expensive shoes to type.
0: Um, I want to. We talked about this before, and and I'm sure a lot of people already know, but tell uh, the people who don't know about your eye injury and how that then brought you into where you are with
2: today with your art, how it
0: influences you and, and where that journey's taken you.
2: So yeah, back in 2012 that's when it first happened. that was my left eye. So it was, everyone asked me like, oh what happened? did someone like hit you and everything? And no, I tell them no, I just woke up one day and I had like a black what they describe as a black veil so you kind of just imagine like a, a curtain going down like slowly so each week it got worse and worse straight lines were like becoming wavy people's faces were dented in and that's when i told my parents i was like hey you know something's up with my eye let's go to the doctor so we went the next day and the doctor said if i didn't come if i came a week later i would have total peripheral vision loss in my left eye completely so that was end of high school um had to give my books and do my last test and ran straight to the emergency room to perform the eye surgery. And it's the procedure is called scleral procedure. And what they do is they put a silicone band wrapped around the retinal detachment. So that that was my first, you know, detachment. And I played, you know, uh, going into 2013. That was my uh, freshman year uh, playing for, you know, a, a collegiate um, sport. So I, I thought it would affect me, but you know, over time, you go through adversity and you learn from it, and you just keep going. You know, so that's that's where I I kind of like went through the whole four years playing basketball. Thank God, nothing else happened to my eye. But fast forward over those years, um, last year, n- last November, that was my second time having <sighs> second, second surgery. surgery, and it was really it was fairly recent. And you know, thinking thinking back, I just wasn't disbelief again you know because I don't want to go through that same like healing process for five months six months and now that I'm like getting into artwork more I
3: you're kind of relying on your eyes yeah I'm
2: really, and I was like I'm just beginning my career like why is this happening to me you know so I guess everything happens for a reason and here I am today like able to do art so I, I'm kind of blessed like everything went smoothly uh, my eyes still compensate for the other, but it's just a challenge and it's just adversity once again.
0: Uh, who would you say influences you the most with your artwork? It, as coming from a graphic design, I don't see your artwork as being a graphic design background. Um, I don't know why. I think some people that I do know, they have graphic design backgrounds. I'm not surprised when I find that out because of what, yeah, what they're is. Yeah, but I think she's... And I don't... Yeah. And i was surprised to learn that. So who influences you? And is anything with your vision um, come into play with your style? Does mm-hmm. um, that have anything to do with
2: it? It's more moreover not who influences me, but what influences me. Uh-huh. So um, in college, I studied graphic design, and the first class that I took was basic drawing. So in basic drawing, you learn the color theory. And I feel like color evokes a lot of emotions, you know, it's our, every every day we wake up, we see color, and it kind of affects, oh, it definitely yeah, does, it kind of they've done everything. studies
3: on color and drunk yeah. tanks, and it's <laughs> it's striking <coughs> what a difference they can make.
2: Yeah, so I was always, like, that student who was always, um, kind of wanted to n- know more of the scientific principle behind it, and the psychology behind color theory, so <laughs> I remember like Isaac Newton, he was actually the one who who explained that color originates from light, and through that, after a lot of experimentations, he, s- he found that, you know, once he refracted the light through a prism, like you know the Floyd um, Pink Floyd <laughs> T-shirts, mm-hmm. he found that color is made up of um, light is made up of several colors, which is the rainbow, the
3: different wavelengths mm-hmm. lengths mm-hmm. of the energy of so the light. So I was light. always
2: interested in like the history behind it. Um, there was also a color wheel founded by a German scientist. Um, so he kind of made that color wheel in a sense of the complementary colors. So what colors look good together, what colors don't, what colors, um, you know, there's a warm side, the red, orange, yellow, then there's a cool side. So I've always like learned like the psychology behind it and I feel like um, they said that color is actually, what does it call it? Um, a modern luxury. Because when you think back, there's no color TV. There's magazines that were not glossy and not vibrant. And there was limited textile like dyes. So it was. Mm. It wasn't until the nineteen fifties that um, that the, the these chemical companies mm-hmm, that they had produced more um, variety of colors. And today we have almost like sixteen million different kinds of of colors.
1: Sina, did you, were you ever influenced by the comic book era?
2: Yeah. So they were kind of like, uh, uh, like getting there with the colors and everything. But they were still kind of vintage. You know, they weren't vibrant.
1: See, because when I see a lot of, um, you know, real, uh, bite, uh, like these big burners, these real monster pieces, that guys have some time to spend, mm-hmm. some time. Oh on, yeah, uh, that's all about the gradients. But yes, but what I, the point I'm saying is, it, it, it brings me back to like Dick Tracy colors.
3: Oh yeah, uh, in the whole the, where well yellow is yellow and red yeah, is red. Yeah, and that's and the pop art influence and artists like Lichtenstein and other that's working into the work. I think with those colors, really. Mm-hmm because you have that style (coughs) and those bright popping and not even really primary colors, but just the really fully saturated colors.
1: Now, you went to school for graphic design. Yes. So, okay, so that was your eye-opener in your first class. What was the eye-closer where it said, I don't want to do this?
2: In, like, uh, probably when when they were like, oh, (sighs) how do I say it? The eye-closer would have to be just staring at a computer all day long. Literally an yeah, eye-closer. literally, like, you just want to...
1: So that's that's it. not your area of no. desired creati- creativity. Yeah. Even though you have the skills to be successful there, potentially.
2: Yes. I just don't want to sit at a desk looking at a computer and going through deadlines, you know, so...
1: So now, uh, looking, at, looking at your body of work, I could see uh, the stickers... And the way you make your your larger pieces a little more accessible, I, I think that I'm sure you designed those all by yourself and did your own vectors and things like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. See, that's Definitely. a skill set that I am I'm just learning. Yeah. Through working with some um, f- some friends on this, but yeah. that's invaluable. Yeah. To, to to set your files up the right way before you send them out to be printed on stickers or whatever is mm-hmm. the is the whole uh, genius behind the process.
2: Yeah, and I think it just goes hand in hand. You know, like you you need graphic design. I don't want to pay anyone if I know how to do it. So you know what I'm saying? So I did my business cards, sticker
1: uh, stickers. But you'd still rather have a can in your hand. Yeah, <laughs> that's great.
0: I'd rather, you know. <laughs> Every artist is their own small business. Mm-hmm. So I
3: notice, and some of your pieces that sell are painted on mirrors. Is there mm-hmm. a reason? Is there? So, is it? Is this fa- found materials, or is it about the mirror? What's it all about?
2: It's funny because um, last two years I was just trying to find my art style, so I've been doing all kinds of mediums, like jacket, shoes, wood, you know, fabric. And ultimately canvas just bored me because it was just plain square, different size. So that's why I dove into um, finding mirrors. And I like the antique, like I, I go to flea markets, their stores, um, vintage stores, just to find these mirrors. And it's just a journey on its own. I, I feel like it's just classy. And I feel like there's not a lot of young people who appreciate, you know, the old and the antique. They just overlook it. So I want to bring in the old school and the new school together. And that's why the, my whole antique mirror, you know, mixed with street pop art All right. I'll, I'll, I'll go there.
1: It. Don't you think antique mirrors are like a beauty by comparison type of thing? Don't yeah. you think that they're meant to distract you from you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Essentially, yeah. honestly,
1: why would a mirror be this ornate if I'm supposed to be looking at myself you're and paying attention to the reflection within it? <laughs> why would I put a beautiful well, it's
2: also decorative? Well, you room. have to
3: remember be, too that yeah, they a well. lot of them were made during the Victorian era yeah, where went. everything was about over design,
2: yeah, yeah, extra juicy, <laughs> it was oh,
1: yeah, gaudy on purpose, gaudy, <laughs> gaudy, gaudy on purpose. So, mirrors, cool now. Are you the type of person that likes to walk around and find your own stuff? Or are you a thrift shop and buy something cheap? Like where do you where would you rather source your your supplies from?
2: Uh definitely buying it for cheap. Like there's shops so all these mirrors I kinda roughly get less than like, you know, a certain amount. I don't wanna you know I think mirrors are pretty expensive. Can be. Yeah. Oh so. they can be, yes. Mm-hmm. So I try to find them for the best price again. But guess. I guess the great <laughs> thing
3: is, since you're going to paint over so much of it, the mirror itself doesn't have to be perfect,
2: right? And that's it what can I have I blemishes,
3: mm-hmm. so you can get a you can probably get them at a better price because it's not about mm-hmm. the reflection.
2: Yeah, and that's what the majority of the uh, mirrors they do have like a blemish on it. But I'm like, it's okay. Like I'm i going to use it for something else. <laughs> hmm.
3: How much you take? That's got a big blemish on it. How much can I take <laughs> off of this?
2: <laughs> you know, your uh, negotiation.
1: <laughs> why, don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about the event you did two weeks ago with Foot Locker Gallery?
2: With uh, Foot Locker. So that was an interesting event. Um, it was judged by these uh, artists. His name is Mad Steez and Baron Von Fancy and 13 Witness. He's a um, photographer. So they already have a big following. So they, what they wanted to do was provide a platform for emerging artists. And what better way to do so than, you know, than to just to go for that opportunity. <coughs> and that's essentially what I, I did. And, you know, when opportunity knocks, you take it, right? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: And there's nothing wrong with a lot of good exposure.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, so <coughs> what was the event? It was yeah, the what did you do? Um, For that event, it was just you had to line up, up outside and, and you had these people a minute talk each just explaining your work and it was um collaborator with with, um, with Foot Locker cool. so yeah
1: now um, as we are entering May uh, you are going to be hunkered down in the studio you tell us huh
2: yes I definitely want to work on more personal work because I've always been focused on um, commissioned work <laughs> so I want to have a nice collection for myself and, um, and hopefully uh, a solo show in the near future. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, uh, the Paper Factory Hotel project mm-hmm. in June, why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So the um, Art Hotel Residency, um, in partnership with Queen's Council of Arts and um, the Paper Factory Hotel, uh, that was typically kind of like, an ent- you enter your, your um, app, app, apply, your um, um your work and hopefully they you know they they um, email you back type of thing That's so in Long
0: Island City right yeah
2: yeah yeah so they told me I w- I won the residency so I was pretty excited about that so it's a three month long residency just um, creating uh, works and eventually um, having a public talk with
3: so they give you a space there to work mm-hmm it's it's got a nice location. Yeah. When the weather warms up, the outside space would be kind of really yeah. nice.
0: Yeah, let us know when that event is. I like that place. It's yeah, a, it's a it's really nice, and, and the mirror cool like it,
2: it goes hand in hand with um, the aesthetics of the whole hotel, so it works pretty well with each other. So, um, my f- I love
0: talking to the female street artists, and um, I guess one of my questions is, how do you feel the typically uh, boys' club? Of street art has uh, been for you to navigate. Uh, do you feel it's harder, easier for uh, females to gain respect? Do you feel maybe now the tides are changing? What's your take on that?
2: I feel like now it is changing. Like the more, uh, for myself, like I, I'm new to this whole street art game too, so I don't know that much people, you know. But at the same time, like when you see a female artist, you you're like, wow, like she's actually a uh, you know, muralists—they're not afraid to to go in the ladders and stuff. So, I was Tell like, I want to be like give that. Give <laughs> us a few that
0: uh, you give a lot of respect to.
2: Um, I have—I l- remember my first mural that I did. Um, Lexi Bella Art. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard of, yeah. Yeah. So she was the one who actually gave me my first spray can. She was like, "Just use it. Just practice it." So I was like, "Wow, they're actually pretty cool people." Like, um, yeah,
3: everybody. It's a great community. As much as n- everybody doesn't get along, they get along in their own way. In their
2: own way, yeah. And you know, she's a female, so I was like, Wow, she's a female like street artist. Like I wanna eventually be like her.
1: <laughs> Hello to Lexi. <laughs> Who else?
2: Um for now I think that's pretty much all for the, the females. I, I've seen works from Danielle. Like I remember like seeing um the, your podcast with her. Mm-hmm. Danielle, um uh Who's headed Close. right now,
3: uh, today, landed in Puerto Rico for Safe a three-week
1: residential. Two weeks ago, landed in Puerto Rico? No,
3: she landed there. D- oh, yeah, you're right. Two weeks ago. She's got a week left.
1: So w- uh, two weeks ago, we were also out at um, Jeff Beeler's Underhill Wall Project, and we were able to see Claw Money working. Oh, you?
2: yeah. I've seen like, some of them. Like I don't know their names, but I've seen their work. So I'm, I'm still trying to get to know... <laughs> artists along the way.
0: I, I believe you did a wall at Underhill. Yeah. Was that the last cycle? It, it, I mean, it had been buffed as.
2: Yeah, it was the last. It was my first one with them. It was um, the John John Lennon one.
0: Oh, that's right. That was one of the panels there. Mm-hmm. I, I never
2: saw it, but um, I remember seeing pictures of it.
0: Um, how did you find that experience working with all those people?
2: Oh, I, I wasn't really working with them because I, I, yeah. It wasn't it was just a, yeah, it a wasn't day event. Mm-hmm. So it was more, uh, I was actually, <laughs> it was actually on Thanksgiving Day.
0: <laughs> really?
2: Yeah. So it was really cold and Jeff was like, "Do you want to do a wall? And I was like, sure, you know, so I'll see.
1: But when we spoke with him, he mm-hmm. said he's going to turn over the uh, th- the walls in October. So it's a little more uh, appeasable to paint. You can have an event out there mm-hmm. and we're looking forward to that. Hello to Jeff and a uh, nice job two weeks ago. It was nice seeing everybody out there, Albertus and Dean and everybody.
0: So let's get back to the Boys Club. What are your thoughts?
2: We're here. <laughs> That's right. We're we are to out. to get we you. Are, we, are, we are outnumbering the podcast yeah. right
0: now, so. Strength in numbers.
3: Oh, yeah. Today's Girls' Day. <laughs> We've had a lot of those lately.
2: <laughs> a lot so of girls thought, out yeah, there. Women's empowerment movement. It's on the rise. Are you feeling... I'm feeling like empowered. Yeah.
0: Do you feel that there is any kind of um, message there in your work? Um, Alicia Keys was somebody you painted. Yeah. That was was... She was that more of an influence musically. Um, she's a strong woman. Is it? What about her? Also being a native New Yorker.
2: That, that that's one of it too. She's a native New Yorker also. Mm-hmm. So um, her album here was more dedicated towards you know just. Um, blending the family together that's why the first words I put was family and just every every um, word that you see is more geared towards her album and like the words she says so it's also about like you know a girl's wearing makeup you know you don't have to wear makeup to look pretty you have mm-hmm. to you know feel feel good about yourself well,
3: she and her husband have a great influence these days on where the art world is going. Mm-hmm. It's interesting mm-hmm. seeing what he's trying to accomplish right. and what they're trying to accomplish together, blending music and art together kind of seamlessly in many ways.
0: Mm-hmm. <coughs> it is a pretty seamless... Uh, yeah, you can't
3: separate the two when you get down to the beginnings and the origins. It's
0: all those universal languages.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> So if you had a dream collaboration of anyone's work... Living or... Let's go living first. Living. Living. Living artist. I would say
2: Tristan Eden. He's really cool. Like, I like his work and everything. And, like, uh, it's just...
3: He's very sharp and clean. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet, he kills it.
2: So, definitely him. I want to see, like his not so clean version you know like, <laughs> like the paint splatters and like. well everything. if you want to <laughs> see
3: some of his older work go to Detroit and go to Hamtramck because he in that them? area that's where he was from yeah. so he has pieces there that you would not even believe were his you have his? to people wow. tell you that are his and you can see the evolution of his style on that's the walls crazy. in Detroit
2: I definitely want to look into his older works <laughs> right now I'll just see his like new clean ones and I'm like dang that's really cool they always
0: look better as time goes by mm-hmm. and they age more uh, so dead uh, collaboration that's the that's the follow-up question
3: that's there. the follow-up
0: exactly it could be from classic masters yeah. to pop artists to
3: anyone
2: I would say Jaime Mat- Matisse definitely him because he's more he's the guy with all the colors too so I want to see how we we blend our colors together like <laughs> our brains together like I want to see how that would look <laughs>
3: Well, I imagine it'd probably go well because your pieces do have almost a little bit of an impressionistic mm-hmm. feeling to them. Mm-hmm. I can see that in your in your portraits and the way you go about it because they're two different things close and far, far away. Yeah.
1: All right. I'll ask the question to the two photographers at the table. Who would you want to shoot that is dead? <laughs>
0: artist working
3: or, or yes, what, do you, yeah, what do you mean as a your work oh your work
1: in progress aesthetic who would you love to have captured oh. while they were doing their thing
3: mine not because i like the work just because he was a crazy madman and that'd be pollock because mm. i think he would have been fun to shoot because he danced Absolutely. and screamed and ranted yeah. and jumped and just leave the very dramatic open and get some yeah and just sit back and watch blur, the paint fly literally
0: hands. With a focused
3: eye. Don't steal her answer. What's your answer? took
1: it. Sorry. (laughs) That's why I jumped in
0: first. Because he was so animated.
3: You see the films of him. And he was just beyond. But he was such an interesting person that you could probably only spend 10 minutes with him before you'd want to run screaming from the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have an uncle like that. Um. (laughs) What's your answer, Erica? I'll I'll say. I'll say Keith Haring because that would have been fun. I think it would have been fun just to be a part of the entourage. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so back to OG <laughs> Millie and yes. the OG Millie part. How would you <laughs> get there?
2: OG Millie. You know, OG is like your original. You're like a gangster and everything. <laughs> so I guess like I just dubbed myself as OG even though I'm not like an OG like (laughs) myself but when I get there when I'm old people are gonna be like oh wow you're an OG when you're younger I'll be like yeah (laughs) (laughs) I was and Millie is more of my my name Camille so people call me Millie for short
3: and I noticed too that you use the crown yeah so how did you find it what does it mean personally to you Yes. Because I think it's used it's used often. But I think everyone has a personal connection and a way they get there. How did you get to it?
2: I guess it's just, just holding your own crown, just th- your own elegance in a way. But o- obviously it's kind of like Basquiat. Everyone kind of sees that going together. But it's a different meaning. But I guess now my artwork's classy. And now it's like a crown, a queen. <laughs> queen from queens, in a way.
1: I like <laughs> it. I'm all for... Uh uh, fake the Funk, until you get there. You uh, like
0: self-imposed okay. titles, too. Of course.
1: I so. mean, nobody's going to give you a better nickname than yourself. Right. The nickname, mm-hmm. nicknames that other people give you are usually derogatory or mean. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Unless it's someone that you're very closely connected to, and then when someone else uses that name, it's derogatory and mean. Right. <laughs> right.
1: So I'm okay with, the, with a youngin' calling herself OG as long as she continues to act like it.
2: So, what Pretty does sure it do. take to
3: <laughs> act like an o j in your opinion?
2: Just not being a millennial <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying like we're crazy, you know that, but i'm I'm an old soul at heart like i don't do all those things that people those millennials do <laughs> in a way i
0: don't know what you're talking about please I don't
2: really go to parties like that like I don't <laughs> like listening to the new hip hop and all that. Okay. Stupidness. All the right. Video, well, so give me
0: your top five.
1: Oh.
2: Top five. I like jazz music. To be honest. No. 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 Uh, wait. Top. top five. What top music? MCs. Five
1: MCs. When someone asks you for your top five, it's who are the Shouldn't my five said. MCs that I think are the five best ever. Go.
2: Biggie, Nas. um Who else? uh Snoop. Uh, There's no wrong answers here. Yeah. That's what I'm like. Wait.
1: We're going to judge you for them, but there's no wrong answers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, Nas is the queen's thing. Two more. No, yeah, she's Nas tried and true. Yeah.
2: I don't know, like Tal- Talib Kweli. Okay. Tribe Called Quest. So it's all like them. Was How many do I have? You got four. Like, One more. more. I don't, I don't really know listen don't know. to them. No, <laughs> <quest. laughs> put Q-Tip wait, in there. Wait, oh, right. wait,
1: uh, wait,
0: this is top five MCs. Yeah.
2: Well, she
1: said we were saying a collective
0: right. Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's put it this way. We share two of our top five. I'm not going to tell you which two. But it's I I respect your list, Erica. What do you think of her list? Well,
0: it's kind of classic. It's a classic list. Sorry, that wasn't Eric.
3: See,
1: erica has got a, a, a <laughs> n- her number one is not on everybody's number one.
0: My number one is a lot of people's number one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So what wh- what do you listen to? You said like on said, the uh, jazz uh, side. What 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 is it?
2: More of like indie. Um, jazz it depends on my mood if I want to create I'll use like jazz music indie Um. pretty much it yeah hip hop a little bit but like the back in the like 90s kind of feel not today's generation
1: you're not a mumble trap rapper
2: no that's pfft. no <laughs> <laughs> although well, it has a good beat but at the same time I'm like why is this on the radio but I'm like bobbing my head at the same time <laughs> are you a member of the beehive Oh, Beyonce? Yeah. She's cool, but... uh, But Is that
0: a millennial thing? Is it? I I
2: don't know. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I would assume so. I'm trying to understand
0: what is deemed millennial Millennial by a 23-year-old.
2: Well,
3: outside of music, what else would be millennial?
1: Snapchat? Yeah.
3: I had a 70-year-old woman on my tour today looking for the Snapchats.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. All right, yeah. so so where where we uh, see two thousand eighteen taking you and beyond? What's uh, the goals for two thousand eighteen and what's the bigger goals after that?
2: Um, goals for two thousand eighteen is just to produce more, a lot more work, just to have a, a keep hustling. Yeah, like, in the, like more of my work and just try not to like do other like you know other commissions. So I want to work on that a lot, more murals, more um, you know connecting with other artists. Now that now that my like eyes kind of better like now's the time for me to actually go out and make those connections, builds with people.
0: Is there a I'll pause on that? Is there a fear that this could come back again, and you have a short time frame with your eyesight? Is that a a a, a fear? Or no. have they given you the the?
2: I mean, they say that it should be good, but there's always a fear in the back of my mind. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like. You know, live life now. Of you course, know, like, so anyway. You know, right. like, uh, you know, that's why I want to create a lot more work because I don't know when it will give out on me. I don't know when, like, things are going to happen. So right. right.
1: Who was the artist on the last Brooklyn tour that you told the story about that lost their sight?
2: Oh,
3: John Bramblett. He's actually yeah. fully blind. He has a dog. Um, He learned how to paint by the texture or feel of the different paints because every color is different because they use different sources for the pigments. They use Mm. different binders. And the weight. um, And the weight. So he understands what the different colors, and he paints by actually
0: feeling the paint with his fingers first. Really great article by John Domine on Sold Mag. You can uh, find it by... Why did I tell
1: you to bring up John Dominey? What was I going to talk about? I don't remember. Oh me. boy,
0: did you see he did
3: how he that. did? You just notice how he circled around and got back there.
1: Is that, she brought his name up. You I didn't bring his name slick. up. But how did he? What did it? What was it? <coughs> <coughs> Oh, yes, Mr. Domine. We miss you correcting me. I'm making far too many mistakes without you being here, and the quality of the podcast is suffering greatly without your...
0: I'm not a good fact checker. Without your noted
1: Mm -hmm. fact checking and correcting me, so... The editor uh,
0: needs an editor, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all need an editor. So let's get back to... So beyond 2018, where do we see
2: this young career going? Beyond 2018, definitely want to have my s- first solo show. So I want to do that. Um, hopefully get into galleries around the world. That's beyond, like, that's my plan, just to um, be an international artist.
0: Where have you traveled, and where would you want to travel? Where's your, what's on your...
2: Um, I want to go to Europe. I've never been there, so Kay. definitely that's one of my, my top choices. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, arts and... United States, I guess. Miami would be cool, like for Art Basel. Um, oh, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. It Miami, really is. And I could see you Cali. working there
3: and easily getting work. And yeah. yeah. I've
2: never been, so that's why I've, I've always seen videos and people.
3: You could gen- do the Jenna Morello hustle, which basically means hitting the ground and knocking on doors, and you'd probably have a wall the first afternoon. Wow. Guaranteed just by showing them your work.
2: Yeah, so hopefully that. Maybe have a mural down there, you know? <laughs>
1: What about what about scale? What about size? Do you, do you ever want to go really big? Is that something that's interesting to you?
2: Yeah, it actually is. It challenged like me as an artist just to do a scale so big. That's why like my first mural was kind of challenging for me because I was like, oh my god, like I don't know how this is proportioned. That's why I kept stepping back and then coming back. You know, going up the ladder, then going down the ladder. You know, so that's why. You
1: know. Uh, um, I'm the least knowledgeable at the table, but what I've seen, just what I've observed from uh, seeing so many artists working uh, up close and at the festivals and such, everybody's got their own way. Mm -hmm. Every artist has got their own way of doing what they do and getting their own piece on the wall. I say just, you know, find your own way, steal from different little bits of uh, things that can help along the way, Mm -hmm. you know, pick up some time-saving uh uh techniques from other artists things like that but yeah just take your time and find your own way
2: mhm so that's what I'm I'm practicing you know so everything comes with practice
1: <laughs> how about a a, a a technique or a skill or a material that you've never played with before you that you'd like to
2: i guess it would have to be um sculptures i've always wanted to to like build something you know with my hands and know like you know making something with dimensions yeah 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 more 3D, yeah. I do say that. We know.
1: had um, Ilko Vandenberg on the podcast a couple of months back, and he was doing his first sculpture, mm-hmm. and he said that gave him more nerves than doing, you know, a six-story mural or something like yeah. that, just because it was a new and uncharted territory yeah. for him.
2: So yeah, so that's what I want to try. Like, I've never done anything like that. So I'm always, like, I'm always that type of artist who tries new things. So that's why I, I tried the art and I liked it, so...
3: Well, it is rather addictive to paint on the street, isn't it?
2: It is. <laughs> but then like uh, obviously like the public some they'll hate it, they'll love it. You know, so you
3: you're never going to have everybody love it. The mm-hmm. thing to remember is that everybody loves if everybody loved your art, your art would be crap. Yeah. Basically because you have to it has to engage people on different levels that aren't even about love love and hate, really. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I just think every every person's process whether it's uh, building a business creating a, 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 an art method or whatever it is it's all going to be trial and error and it's all going to be through growth growth right. is always painful mm-hmm. and and uh, personal growth spiritual growth comes sometimes when you're wounded and sometimes when you you get wounded by someone or someone's words or criticism mm-hmm. so I think I think growth is always good and change is always good uh, that's why I like to be bitch about people that complain about missing old New York and loving old New York and things like that because New York is the constant change. We it went is. from being sold uh, from the Native Americans for the equivalent of $13 to being the industrial powerhouse in this country in the world in, I don't know, uh, 175 years. You know, mm-hmm. it's So I think the, the the change in New York and the especially the people in New York. Right. I, if you would have told me 10 years ago I'd be sitting down with a 23-year-old artist, I would have said, come on. <laughs> Come on, um, can I go do a deal? Can I, can I get back to work? Right. It's, it's change is constant, and I, I think you're a, you're a good example of it.
2: Thanks. <laughs> that that Thanks. was a compliment, I think. Yeah, yeah of, like course, of course. Of no, course. <laughs> Thank I'm, you, yeah. I appreciate that.
1: So wha- how, how about something that um, you did before
2: mm-hmm.
1: and want to get back to? Something you moved away from for one reason or another?
2: I guess shoe art now. Because I've been doing that. Yeah. I've been doing that for a while. Like, that was like, if you scroll, yeah, If you see it, like, um, my earlier pieces were more shoes and everything. How did that start? Did,
0: like, friends just commission you? Yeah. Oh, oh those are so yeah. cool. <laughs>
3: we're Sorry. looking at a piece Describe of, what you're um, seeing yes. for the fans, Stella.
1: <laughs> Describe it. We're
3: looking it. at a beautiful high top with the great.
0: Wave uh,
3: They're Tim's.
0: Kanagawa on it. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. It's really great. Those are awesome. So,
2: so yeah, with those, like, I loved it, but it was like time-consuming. But would did, did it start by friends asking you to do it?
0: Did you get a, a job that...
2: First, it was me trying to do it, and then I would wear it, and then people would stop me and be like, wait, where'd you get that? And I was like, I did it, you know? So <laughs>
1: Sorry, I played a video from her Instagram. <laughs> We're now oh, watching her Those here. look pictures.
0: like my 92s. No, those mm-hmm. are 91 Air Max. Those are my, those are 90s. those are 90s. 90s? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we got <laughs> sneaker heads
3: in the house.
2: <laughs> so yeah, it's more of like just um, self-promoting, sub- self-advertising kind of. Mm-hmm. So what you wear is like.
3: So if uh, <laughs> Converse is listening, you, would you like to do one of oh their yeah. artist Chuck Taylors?
2: I would love to. Actually, Doc, Doc Martens made me, um, commissioned me to do like a whole Pride NYC um, feature like just oh, in the store yeah yeah oh, in the that's store dope. Yeah. that must have been fun or were you no a friend of mine contracted? yeah a friend of mine um, contacted me saying like oh the um, the manager wants an artist to do um, pride themed related um, art on sneak on see boots. that's
1: that's spectacular to me for a second and can I just go back to New York when I was Brooklyn I, uh, in high school mm-hmm. Doc Martins were worn by skinheads
2: right yeah. period.
1: End of yeah. story. Yep. It wasn't Enjoy until it. they went from the eight or the ten height boot down to the lower ones and the like the little shoe ones that they became a little more like uh non affiliated well, with the
3: Goth girls discovered and them. punks and punks, punks them. Yeah. and then it became like And a then uh, you know you got Alexander McQueen gets steps in there somewhere with his style and, and has and a lot then to then fashion with it.
1: takes it over. And well yeah. fashion yeah. took it over and when they went to the yellow uh, when they went away from the yellow ribbon, when it went to the blue ribbon and the white ribbon and the the rainbow ribbon, so it's it's funny that that
2: it's evolving, like you said, change. change. That's yeah. it. Yeah.
1: So, uh, n- w- let's say not converse. Someone who isn't you know aligning with artists. What's a, what would be a cool brand that you think you would you think you'd you'd mesh well with and rep well with?
2: I'd love to try out Nike because I've, I've, I'm a basketball player. You know, so I would love to see like a little collabor collaboration with them. And hopefully, you know, get an NBA player to to wear it. That would be pretty cool. Now Go for the WNBA, the WNBA and do too. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it seems
3: like... Uh, the one thing I will say is so many of these shoes are geared to the boys. It would be You're nice right. yep. to have the same level of, you know, Nike and all that geared towards the women's side.
1: Now, let, but let's talk about somebody that wasn't all about the dollars, because Nike is one of the, the biggest corporate powerhouses on, on the earth, and, and it's not going to change for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but... What about what Stephen Marbury did, with his Starbury shoes, giving them away so cheap just to get the oh next like generation that. going? Yeah. You know what about something like that for you? You know, and, and uh, you know you could align with a with with a company that's really out there for the community.
2: Yeah, I, that's a
1: pretty.
2: <laughs> good We're idea. brainstorming yeah. here, companies. Yeah, if like you
1: uh, you want to work with OG Millie on a on a, a community based shoe project, she could be your your artist. And check out artist. her
3: Instagram because she's definitely <laughs> got mad skills.
1: Yeah. While we're talking about Instagram, why don't you uh, tell the fans where they can find your work?
2: Oh, Instagram. It's at Millie, O G M I L I E. And website is www.ogmillieart.com. And even
0: though you are so young, could you give some advice to the other young artists out there? Um, What's some
2: good advice?
1: How to break in? How to get your start? How to What's happened to
0: you? What to do and what not to do.
2: What to do is, I guess, just taking that risk because uh, obviously a lot of art is more intrinsic. It's more of, you know, what I I I feel like I want to share with, uh, with others what's more secretive and private to other people. I guess it's more of letting go of that fear that people won't like it, and and just saying, hey, this is my work. This is me. It's not this for other people. Yeah.
1: Sometimes it's for a client, but it, other than that, it's for you.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. So maybe just that, just taking that ri- that risk. Um, what not to do, don't be, don't let your ego get in the way. I'd say that. Because there's a lot of artists who, you know, they think they're Hollywood, but meanwhile they're, they're not shit, you know. <laughs> so I guess just to remain humble and grounded so other people would look look up to you. Sense. I think you have to remain
1: <laughs> even more humble and more grounded when you pick a name like O. G. Millie <laughs> also. Yeah, <you're> right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy to say stay humble, but you you're for you're kind of forced to it because you could you could build a bad you rep pretty quick.
2: <laughs> Don't get her mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming in today. This was thank a lot you. of fun. Uh I hope our listeners enjoyed hearing a little bit about one of the up and comers in the industry. In the street art game, we actually featured her earlier in the year in an article called uh, Sold's 2018 Ones to Watch. Uh, She was one of ten featured artists, and we are absolutely going to be keeping an eye on OG Millie this year. Thank you again for coming in. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. All right, guys. Talk to you next time. Sold out.